you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Hi, this is Voss here from thechrisvossshow.com, thechrisvossshow.com. Welcome to the big show, my friends, the big podcast tent in the sky of the Chris Voss Show family, where we all come together for the uh, communion, we all come together for the, the big praising worship of wisdom and knowledge and becoming smarter, because you don't want to be in the Dunning-Kruger crowd, folks. If you know what that is, you can Google it. If you don't, well... Yeah, we might be talking about you. Anyway, that was rude, Chris. Don't do that. Uh, anyway, guys, uh, be sure to go. <laughs> what the hell do I make up on the ramble every time? That was actually interesting. Uh, be sure to go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Voss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and LinkedIn.com, Fortress Chris Voss, and tell your friends. Put your arm around them and lightly shame them, not in a bad, negative sort of way, but just give them a little shaming like, Tis tis. If only you knew more and you listen to the Chris Voss show, you'd be more sexier to me. So uh knowledge and brilliance and smartness makes you more sexy. I don't know if that's true or not. I just made it up. Anyway, guys, welcome to the show. We certainly appreciate being here as well. We've got an amazing gentleman on the show. Uh he uh runs a site that is called the Awakened Man. .net, and I'm hoping to become that later on today on Monday because I'm drinking the coffee to chase that. So I thought it would be good to bring him on so I can wake up because uh, I overslept uh, this morning. <laughs> uh, we have a gentleman on the show. Uh, his first name is Elaine. Elaine, do I have that right? Yeah, uh, and Alan is fine as well, Chris. Thank you so much. Uh, so is it is it Canadian accent for Alan? Is that? Yeah, Alan? absolutely. French uh, French based <laughs> for sure. Is it really? Yeah, wow, there you go. Uh, most people refer to me in four-letter expletives, so there's that. <laughs> Can you give me the pronunciation, uh, Alan, on uh, your uh, last name, please? Absolutely. It's Dumanso. Dumanso. So very French. Yes. Am I even doing a French accent, or am I just Yeah, French? pretty close. <laughs> you can tell me. I'm used to it. <laughs> All right, Alan. So what we have is we have him on the show. We're going to talk about what his journey, and he's gone through an interesting journey as a young man. It seems like he's still a young man from what I can tell. Uh, he is the Purposeful Action Men, quote-unquote, tour, mentor, get it? Uh, for the Awakened Man movement. He's been on a mission as the beacon for what it means to live an authentic life. And for the past three decades, he has lived the highs of the culinary Olympics to the lows of losing it all, almost twice. Today, his purpose is to guide men to rediscover their life's mission, starting with the personal action plan called The Return of the King. It sets the stage for the hero's quest. Welcome to the show. How are you? Ah, doing really great, Chris. Thank you so much for having me on the show today. There you go. There you go. Thank you for coming. And uh, I think we haven't had a Frenchman in a while. We had a great French journalist the other, uh, a while back. So we need more French people on the show. I don't know why we're discriminating or something, but uh, welcome to the show. Give us your .com so people can find you on the interwebs. 
Absolutely. So you can find me at theawakenman.net. I also am the host of the Revolutionary Man podcast as well, where we give opportunity to really enlighten guys' lives and some of the challenges that we faced. We talk a lot in my work about everyone being on their own hero's quest. And so it's a great place to hear how other people are living their hero's quest. There you go. And I understand this is a great thing to give men kind of a space to talk. You kind of are, you're looking to create a, like a community. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I know, and you know, just tell a little bit about how I got to that point. Sure. So through, uh, I was one of those guys that re, re, you know always watched the the rom com movies back in my early twenties and that. And I married my high school sweetheart, to believe it or not, and you know, and had this vision that we're just you know we're gonna you know live together and die and have matching cups to put our teeth in, you know, on the on the headboard <laughs> and that whole that whole thing, but. When that reality didn't happen, then life really changed for me. You know, I was extremely successful. As I said there in the in the intro, there I was competing in culinary Olympics professionally. I was doing outstanding, but my personal life was just in the toilet. And so, when everything, when that marriage failed uh, in my early thirties, I lost everything. I ended up by having to claim bankruptcy. Lost everything. I was in such a state of depression that I hardly saw my kids for about a year and a half. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't, I just couldn't work up the, uh, get past the guilt really of being able to see them, to have mm-hmm. them see their father in a place. And, you know, as, as things of time has gone on, I've understood that they didn't really care. They were three and five. That's not what they wanted. They just want to spend time with, with their, with their father. And then you know, fast forward, I met another young, another lady and, you know, we, we've been married now for 20, 20 plus years. And, and I just about blew up that one as well. And even though I would, I was on this journey of, you know, self-discovery and, you know, what I, what I thought was doing the work. But the truth of the matter is, is that while I read lots of books and did some courses and got some training, the problem was, is that I wasn't really living it. I wasn't living authentically. It was just, I might as well just grab a, the newspaper for the amount of value I was putting in it. And I know that's pretty, pretty prevalent with lots of guys, right? We're pretty intellectual or left brain thinkers. We don't necessarily want to dive on that right side and really get into stuff. And so when my second marriage just about, just about, uh, collapsed, you know, due to uh, some infidelity on my part, uh, it was my wife who saw the man inside of me that needed to be revealed and gave me the opportunity to truly turn things around. Now I say that because I think it's important that the people that understand that while I had the opportunity, had the work not been done, mm-hmm. then it wouldn't be where I am here today and I wouldn't be doing this work. And and so that was one really powerful piece. And within a real short period of time, less than a year, about a year and a half, my father-in-law uh, passed away. And he was really, really close to me. It was like he only he had, he had two daughters. I was the son he never had. And wow. he's a big Yankees fan. So we traveled to Minneapolis. I live in Winnipeg. So we'd go to Mini to watch the boys play. And and we just hang out, hung out and did things. And so when uh, when uh, nobody could find him for about a day and a half, uh, uh, I went over to his house. He lives a couple blocks from us, and and I knew right away there was an issue because uh, the cars were in the driveway, and his little dog Dicky was uh, sitting there at the door, you know, pretty pretty melancholy. And you know, it's not something that you want to face in life. You know, you have the, lots of grief. You know, I'm going through some other stuff. And I just found there was nowhere for guys to go. I was very uncomfortable sitting in a, doing any grief work with, uh, with other women in the room. I felt I needed to, that's not very macho. That's not what men do. 
And so I created this space where guys come in and really, really deal with their stuff. And, uh, you know, it's a place where there's more free of shame, blame and judgment. And, and I think that's really needed today because guys just don't know how to deal with stuff. We weren't taught. And, and I think it's important that we get an opportunity to really work through that stuff so we can get our lives back on track. Mm-hmm. So are you still married to your second wife? Absolutely. Wow. And, and uh, how long have you been married now? Just uh, 20 years, just uh, coming on 20 years here this October. Now, you mentioned there was some infidelity, so she gave you a second chance at that, huh? Yeah, absolutely. You know, my uh, my wife married late. Um, I'm the, you know, this is her her first marriage. And, uh, and she just said that really, she wasn't interested in wanting to, to remarry and do and go through that process. But what she was interested in to see, and she challenged me, she says, I just want to see if you're truly the man that you claim that you are. And, uh, and, and so I had to go and do that work. Now, it was a really challenging two years, especially to go through that, to, to go through everything. But the, what it revealed to me is that, you know, I learned how to be a better communicator. Because mm-hmm. honestly, up until that point in time, I was a people pleaser and a doormat. Mm-hmm. No, that's not her fault. That's my fault because that's how I, uh, I showed up in the relationship. And so when mm-hmm. things started to, when I started to really understand, then I could make a diff- then I could start to make changes in how I was showing up. And that also caused some challenges as well for her because now she's not used to seeing, <laughs> Oh, really? I was uh, acting a little differently than he's normally does. And, but it was important for us to, to go through that. And we spent, you know, you know, we spent lots of work rebuilding trust. Obviously, that had to happen. I work in hospitality. At the time, I worked in hospitality, so it's late nights, it's weekends. You know, the convenience because of that type of uh, environment. You know, to make I, I did things to make sure that that she was uh, she could re- rebuild that trust with me, right? So access to f- cell phones and emails and whatever you need to to do, right? Yeah, the, the it's interesting that you the journey you go on. You 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 marry that first woman, and you're kind of in that mode that you mentioned. And we, you know, I sometimes refer to as one-itis or um, the soulmate myth. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any thoughts on that sort of thing that men are going through, and why we why we have that mentality? Yeah, well, we we think we we have. I, I think that what it boils down to is that we just think that we can't do any better. Right. And this is it. Like we've hit the pinnacle. We've, 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 we've got this individual that's in our life and then we just pour everything into it. And one of the things I've learned is that I I truly believe that men fall deeper into love than women do. And it takes us longer to get out. And that's how it takes us longer to get out of it. Yet when we're in the relationship, all we know on how to react and live in that is that we mirror what we've seen, whether that's through our parents' relationships, through, you know, other family dynamics. And I think that we feel that we can't, we can't make a different choice. And so we just go through life. We're just repeating motions and thing and, and behaviors that we've seen. We're mirroring them, but we haven't really dealt with the real hard stuff. And what I mean by that is I talk in, in one of the programs, we talk about the big three, you know, are we in alignment with sex? spirituality and money because if there's if the relationship's going to have challenges it's going to have challenges in those three areas everything else is going to come back to to those three pieces and so can we be in alignment with with what those three are and that doesn't mean we agree on all of it 
but we under we understand where the other person's coming from. And if there's too much of a gap, mm-hmm. well, then we can make different decisions before kids and homes and everything else comes into play. It's not that yeah. you can't. It's just a, it's just messier, right? You know, when I was when I was growing up, I looked at uh, how my sister dated and my sister would talk to me openly about it. And I finally I had to ask her to stop because I was, I was going to switch teams if she didn't. Um, it was, you know, I, the way women think is very complex and, uh, um, scattered at the same time. And, and so you never know where, I mean, the stuff you would think about, I would, I, I would, I would be like, I really can't be on a date with a woman and think, know that she's thinking that way. Mm-hmm. And they can multitask very well. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that they, that goes through their mind where we're kind of a little bit more focused on stuff, but we also, you know, are, don't multitask as well as they do in their head. I think, um, you know, you talked about how men, men, um, don't have spaces. One of the things that a lot of men don't realize is, is, you know, it used to be in the prior to the you know, seventies and eighties. Um, you know, we had bars we could go to, we would go to football games or baseball games together. There were man places and man spaces that were only men's spaces, much mm-hmm. like women have only women's spaces now, uh, which is kind of an interesting flip, uh, considering they wanted it into all of our spaces. Um, and, and, and so men didn't have these spaces and men don't talk to each other anymore. And I know something when I was growing up, I'm a guy who's 55. I've been single all my life by choice. Um, I tried, you know, playing the, the social form constructive game that was given to me that like go be a resource mule and pump out stuff and, and, you know, provide for people. And then, you know, people can just divorce you and tread on you. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I but each relationship I went in, I, you know, there was trouble with the gals and I wasn't the most perfect person either. I'll take 50, 50 blame, but, uh, there's, there's no men's space where men can go to the bar and sit together and talk about men's stuff. And when I was dating, uh, and when I was seeing all my men friends go away, you know, a lot of my men friends would come to me and go, Hey, Chris, we can't be friends anymore because, you you like to be independent and uh you know you're a fun guy having having your single life and uh, you're a bad influence on me my girlfriend says and we're getting married so whatever i'm not the guy who gets invited to weddings which is fine with me actually <laughs> and so uh you know i would find that these men were getting programmed very early on mm-hmm. and they would they would just like you mentioned they would think that this is the one itis person this is the the all in person and you know it's been said that uh, and well, I find now men really isolated and going through a lot of depression, which is probably why we have a higher suicide rate than men mm-hmm. um, or than women. And uh, it's because those spaces have been invaded and they've been taken away. And so we don't have the ability to sit and talk. In fact, if anything, in certain parts of our society, we're shamed. You know, there's a lot of shaming going on now because we hold to our biology um, and, uh, we want certain things and we look for certain things. Uh, and there's a reason for that. So I, I'm glad you're creating these spaces because we need them. Men need to talk to other men. And part of it's tribal, I think, yeah. where, you know, I, when I game with my friends and they're mostly male, they're all male pretty much. I have some female friends that I, I can game with, but you know, mostly the, the, the continue is men. And when we get together, we're tribing, we're doing caveman shit. Yeah. We're getting together. We're forming a tribe. We're going and achieving things. Yeah. And there's something hanging out with other men. There's the, it, it feeds your testosterone. 
and it mm-hmm. does a difference. So I think I think men's space is really important. It's important that men recognize that they need to go hang out with other men sometimes and just do men shit. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. It, it you don't the only way you learn how to be a man is in in being with other men and being in, in masculine environments. And you know some of this challenge also goes back to the rise in the fatherless homes, right? And so it's 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 a huge issue. And and this isn't about and what I'm saying this isn't about about the single moms not you know not being you know having to live this life what i'm talking about is just as a man i can't i can't raise an individual to be what it's like to be a woman or a mother the mother can't provide that either there's just things that men bring to the table that are different Mm -hmm. and we have to be able to recognize that that's the way it is and so that brings a that brings a lot of the youth now that are coming through that are in this position and they don't know how to how to interact. They don't know what it means to be in a, in a, in a man's space where they're, where most likely they're going to be held accountable. At least that's the kind of work that we do. And even though we, I said, we, you know, it's no shame, blame and judgment. We still hold each other, you know, with, with love and compassion, our feet to the fire. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, with, with every time we get together, everyone, everybody leaves with a do it with at least having one commitment that they're willing to take an action on by the next time we get together. Mm-hmm. And why do we and, do that? Because we're guys, like you said, we're, we're, we're doers. We want to do things. That's part of our mm-hmm. makeup. And when you, when you leave it to your own volition, unfortunately, a lot of us will not do it, mm-hmm. but you have the courage to come into an environment where you know, you're going to be supported. And even if you didn't get it done, you made an attempt, you can talk about what, you know, what was happening for you. You start to figure things out that, you know what, I'm making a lot of excuses for myself. And, you know, I need to start changing my, you know, the things I truly say that I value, you know, the self-sabotaging behaviors and all of this starts to percolate. I don't have to sit there and poke, you know, Chris at it. We just have, you'll start talking about it. And pretty soon the pattern starts to reveal itself to yourself and you're in an environment where you can be supported while still being held to an accountability of, hey, brother, what, let's see if you can get it done on your next, uh, on the next time we get together. There you go. And so you have a mentorship program where you can join a brotherhood of men. And I, I think this is important. You know, people need to realize we haven't changed that much as a, as a species. We still hold, if you study female nature and male nature, we still hold to our biological patterns. And they've been created over eons of time. And I think what's happened is, uh, and, and there's actually a lot of data to support this. If you go to data charts, you can see the change. Uh, sometime, you know, up until about the sixties, men were, men were providers. They were protectors. Uh, we, we took care of women. Um, you know, even back in the 1800s, they had polygamy in places because, you know, women need to be taken care of, especially as they aged and, and have providers and, and have a place for them and, and their children as well, because this is, this is, you know, a lot of our biology and everything we really do almost on a daily basis as both as both sexes is the propagation of the species mm-hmm. we are designed to fulfill the universe's biological survival game the propagation of the species and that's what all species are kind of all game to do and programmed to do and uh, it's survival of the fittest and so we we have we have to recognize that in the 60s once birth control came in, once once men made enough appliances and different things that could make women's lives easier and make it so they could go to work and do different things, and of course that's what they asked to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the role of being of that father provider really changed 
Mm-hmm. We went from being someone who took care of things. If we got divorced or whatever, we paid lifetime alimony um, and all that stuff to where, you know, women said, hey, we want to go our, our kind of our own way and do our own thing. And and that whole world changed. I think a lot of men really got lost in that age. I grew up in an age where I had uh, an alpha grandfather mm-hmm. and a very uh, wannabe alpha, but beta-tized uh, father. Mm-hmm. And so I saw the crossover. And growing up with an alpha grandfather, I, I used to call him my true father um, because him and, and my grandmother were the most toxic uh, non-toxic relationship I had on the alternative. I had a very toxic, very toxic grandmother um, and a very nice grandfather, but a very toxic grandmother. And a lot of this comes from childhood trauma uh, mm-hmm. that she probably had. I don't, I don't even know what hers was, but I can tell it's probably extensive from what I've, what I've learned in life. Um, and childhood trauma seems to bring out a lot of that stuff, but having an alpha grandfather who taught me boundaries, who taught me standards, who taught me how to be a man. You know, we did men's stuff together, yeah. uh, you know, fishing, you know, uh, he, he taught me all the stuff that you need to be a man and the tough stuff, you know, work. Um, and his wife was one of the most happiest wives I've ever known. Cause, uh, you know, she was my grandmother, uh, and she was the most nicest person and they had their roles. In fact, it's kind of funny. You mentioned earlier in the show, they had their teeth in jars too. And I'll never forget that. So when you brought that up, I remember seeing their dentures in the thing, uh, when I go in the bathroom, I'm like, God, that's gross. Yeah. Um, <laughs> never get old, Chris. Um, but they had roles and she was very happy and she was left with yes. a wonderful, uh, uh, retirement package for the Union Pacific back in the day. You know, this is the old standard. And part of what happened too in the seventies is men, you know, started losing their massive jobs and, and billionaire companies went, Hey, if we, if we, you know, if we double the workforce, uh, we can keep wages capped for 40 years. And so men kind of lost that whole retirement program, all the, all the, all the strength they had in, you know, being able to provide and protect. And it became, you know, job turnover in the eighties. If you watch wall street, you understand what that is. Um, and so there's been this thing that men kind of s- started somewhere in there, probably by Disney. It's, it's referred to as D- Disney myth, the, of the one itis of the, yeah. You must find that one person who stays with, and it's kind of lost in that same era that I talk about where, you know, you go to work for one company and there would be a, you know, gold watch at the end of 50 years and you retire and your wife, you know, the two pick offense, the two hard garage and, you know, all the stuff from that nuclear family age of Levittown, you know, in that era. And so men need to recognize this more than ever, that the dynamic changed, that everything that was done before and we've not we've been doing marriage and taking care of people for only a few hundred years, I think it is, or for a very small time, millennia of time compared to uh, our tribal history uh, over you know millennium. And so we need to recognize that took place. And at the point that women had the the, the power to control birth control, and you can see that there's a complete dive in marriage, relationships, children, everything begins to decline at that point. And there, it's not blaming or not shaming. You, you you go see the data. There's a significant change that happens there between dating, divorce rates go through the roof, everything else. Now, no one's blaming women for that. But what we have to do is realize there was a societal shift at that point in time. Mm-hmm. We have to go, things changed. So the model changed. So things are different now. And the problem is, a problem, I think, and a question I'm posing to you in this roundabout is, um, do you think men really understand that something changed? Do you think we're still operating on the old paradigm of trying to be providers and protectors? 
and it just doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's a great question, Chris. I, I think there, I, I think we do try to operate in that old paradigm, mm-hmm. but because uh, because of the environment that we're in, it's hard to be hard to be in, uh, for be in that environment um, today's environment where I'm supposed to be the provider and it's a two income home. Yeah, right. So it's basically it's every home is a two income home, and everyone's out working and, and doing their thing, and so we don't know how now as men and how do we fit into this mm-hmm. and for the women in our lives you know they've been also sold the disney story right and so they're looking for their white knight mm-hmm. and so now so now we're com- this competing this piece is is happening within the the, the dynamic in, in relationships and i think the challenge is now is that while we're not going to have uh, edith sitting at home waiting for archie to come in mm-hmm. we're going to come in together at some at in in back into the home and what's happened is that because we're so busy the whole dyna- family dynamic has ended like i don't know about you but growing up but i'll tell you like growing up for me every weekend was out at the farm with my grandparents yeah. You know, and there was, uh, I'm the oldest of five. There was five of us on the, in this, on the same farm was, were my cousins. And so there was always family dinners is my point. And we got together. And so we were able to change and direct the conversation today that's gone. And so guys are sitting there wondering, like, I would, I want that, you know, they, they want some of that from, from, uh, from childhood and they want some of that, but we don't know how to get there in a two in a two income home mm-hmm. with the wife and or girlfriend depending on your situation mm-hmm. trying who's also aspiring to you know that, that she's trying to climb the corporate ladder or starting her business or trying to grow that business mm-hmm. and so it's about having the conversations about not not about who's the provider in the relations it's about how do we bring back connection Mm-hmm. into the relationship how do we bring back the wholeness of it instead of operating as two separate tracks on the railroad that never touch but how do we get to a point where there's some there's some uh confluence and we get we can get together and really work on the relationship and i think because uh, because of the the drive of the feminist movement and i think there was some positive in the spirit mm-hmm. of it initially but what it's also caused is this 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 rift between trying to, I'm not, I haven't dated in forever, but you know, the research tells me that men have more choice than they've ever had in the world, but they just don't like the pool because Mm -hmm. the pool we're looking for a traditional, more of a traditionally centered uh, woman. Whereas women are still driving that, you know, I want, you know, I don't have time for kids. I don't have time for family. I'm growing my career, my business. And guys are sitting there going, yeah, well, that doesn't necessarily work for me. So it's, we're in this, in this dichotomy and we, and we have to figure it out. And I think the way we do that is really about coming back to getting true on what our, what our values are mm-hmm. as men, you know, and really focusing on that as opposed to the peripheral stuff that, that we may have used to choose, to choose our, our partners. Definitely. Definitely. You know, it's, <laughs> we need to recognize that lots of stuff has changed. I mean, you make some great points. The, you know, the feminist movement, uh, you know, it was great at the beginning. We've had authors on that talked about, you know, back when flight attendants, it kind of started with flight attendants, uh, in the, in the job lawsuit market to, to give them more opportunity. And like for flight attendants would, you know, they had very rigid standards of beauty and thinness mm-hmm. and weight. And then, uh, there were women that, you know, they fell in love with being flight attendants. There's, there's a couple authors you know, on that wrote books about this, but you know, they wanted, they, they, they would get retired at like a very young age. 
and then they wouldn't have a career and they wanted to be able to keep flying and do their career and stuff. And so, you know, they sued and they, they, I believe, uh, my understanding is one of the big, uh, equal opportunity, um, acts I think that we have for the job act was created by those uh, flight attendants because they sued and they wanted, they wanted to be able to work until a normal retirement and enjoy life and not have those standards. And that was beneficial. Um, and, but women were kind of told some things that basically said you can have everything yeah. and you can't have everything. That's, that's not, that's not possible. It's a madness to, to go after that. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of these women were indoctrinated in that by their mothers during that age. You can have everything. And then the, the boys were told, uh, you need to make sure she's happy. Happy wife, happy life started getting selling to people. I don't yeah. know. Someone should research when that term got created and when it started getting used. But men, men are always, you know, giving, protecting, taking care of. We try and make women happy. So when women go, hey, I want to do this, we go, okay, well, try and support you there. And so men have done that, but we need to realize that's a very important change that happened. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we see, we're kind of seeing a reawakening going on with both men and women right now where women are going, you know what? I don't know about this do everything. And you go on TikTok, you'll see a lot of uh, people going on and there, there's kind of a return to values. But you also talk about the pool that women had. I've dated all my life. So I'm an interesting dipstick to um, the dating pool because I'm still in the dating pool. Uh, and, uh, I was very lucky, uh, in, in, in how I don't have any kids. I don't have anybody who's, you know, I've gotten locked down with, I tried, like I said, I tried the, uh, getting engaged twice. I, once I looked at the moment of getting married and they were long engagements about two years, I was obviously dragging out for a reason. Um, but I, the more I just looked at the relationship, I'm like, I don't see this lasting more than five years. And I remember, I remember dating and I used to power date because, because, well, I used to power date. Let's put it that way. I've dated in the triple digits. At one time I used to own a modeling agency and they called me the U after Utah. I dated a lot. Let's put it that way. Um, so, uh, there was a sea change that took place and it came culturally from, uh, the Kim Kardashians, the Hiltons, but also came from Paris Hilton. Uh, and it also came from Sex in the City. And sex mm-hmm. in the city really changed the dynamic. Like I would go out to dinner and basically I'd be interviewed as, uh, you know, a lifelong partner, a partner who would provide, have kids, want to get married, all that sort of stuff. I was really looked to as a provider and a traditional father. And when sex in the city came out, it really sold this concept to women that, hey, you don't have to uh, adhere to the biological shaming of the community that once told women, hey, we're going to help you make sure that you, uh, if you have kids, that you find a good man and that you, you know, and, and communities did that because communities knew in the old tribal system and even why marriage was created that if women had children outside of wedlock, no man would want them anymore. And it was shamed because yeah. the community ends up paying for it. Even today, our community pays for it. When a lot of single mothers uh, are on some sort of support or welfare, or mm-hmm. even then, the the um, the government is designed to provide them with alimony and take it from the father, uh, and provide them with alimony child support. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing, um, but it was designed that way to protect them and help them. And now the models kind of flipped. But what I saw is a sea change in women's attitudes at Sex in the City, and there's a lot of data on this too as well. And they were culturally sold this: you can go mess around in town, you can have 
hundreds of partners. I mean, that's what the show engaged. Um, and at the end, when you get really old and you, you decide you're not going to play with the boys anymore around town, uh, the Chads and Alphas, uh, that Mr. Big will show up and be the Romeo White Knight. And he'll be the millionaire with the, all the money and he'll take care of you. And they were sold this idiom. And I saw a sea change in the women that I dated. And I, I, at that point, I predicted, and this was uh, 30 years ago, I predicted that we were going to enter into a more hedonistic society. I, the family was going to collapse. Uh, the family unit, nuclear sort of thing was going to collapse. Um, with the rise of people going through this hedonistic, I care about more about you know getting my rocks off and having fun mm-hmm. than really building a family and, and building something for a life. You know, we became more transitional. We've done that with our homes. We've done that with our cars. We've done that with everything. It's, we, you know, now we're in a point where we're, we, we're not even owning homes anymore. We're becoming a renter society. Um, and this whole dis- dissolving of some of the standards that, that uh, people did there, there was in the wealth thing, there was the huge change and the sea change of, of what happened with uh, social economics, with, mm-hmm. you know, trickle down economics, the Reagan era, and different things that things happened to put us into that place. And so, uh, men have kind of been combobulated with loss with everything. And then, of course, women have come in our spaces. So when we're around women, we can't talk about the stuff that most men would talk about. We can't talk about, you know, our deep-seated stuff. But there's been the sea change. And I think it's important that men recognize that. You know, now we're in a very hyper um, hedonistic environment. If you've been on OnlyFans or Instagram or, you know, if you even look on your Facebook thing. And we have to realize that I often call... I often term uh, social media as the great husband replacement and, <laughs> and women, you know, because they're by bio- this is a biological design. It's a feature, not a bug. They look for uh, validation and they look for attention. That's why they, you know, if you go on your Facebook feed, if you go on your stories, if you go on your Instagram, why are women taking their clothes off? Why are women wearing lower cut shirts? Why are they trying to look at the prettiest they can? Validation attention. They're trying to get the attention of, of viable mates to uh, wife them up or mate with them, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, but also to, you know, feed the need of their emotional security storms that they live on. Women process through emotion, men process through logic and reason. That is a fact. Um, women, you know, women have logic and reason if they adapt to it, if they, if they focus on it, but it still processes their feelings first. Yeah. Um, and that's just the way our brains are designed. And if you understand biology, we're designed that way. We're complements to each other. We're designed to have individual strengths. But this lie has been told to us that we're equal. And it's been sold for about, well, for almost three generations now. Yeah. And the, I think what people are waking up to is going, hey, we're not equal. There's a reason men are men and women are women. Mm-hmm. Now, you know, you, we can go do the same similar jobs together. But when it comes to raising a family, when it comes to the influence that children has, I mean, I can tell you as a guy who's dated for 35 years all his life, that the impact that a father has on a daughter is incredible. I was just going to say that, Chris. Absolutely. I, I don't know. I don't know a lot of these people that, uh, you know, that, that obviously are posting the way they are, the, the, these women, but I would suspect that if you did, a, if we did a little digging that they don't, they either come from a fatherless home or they have an absent father. Mm-hmm. That's you know that's the, the issue because truly if they had were raised in a, in a home with a father that was that was present, mm-hmm. they would learn the value that they are enough mm-hmm. 
without having to do the things they're doing today. Yeah. And, uh, and that is, a, you know, and that ends up by per- perpetuating, you know, a different, I'll call it a different class of, of guy, right? A guy that's just looking to hook up and not really looking to, to do anything more than to validate, validate his, his, the hole that he has within himself. And so we have this, and you know, you hit the nail on the head with this society being so hedonistic and the way we're moving forward. And it's because we totally have lost our sense of values. And, and I think the challenge is, is that our work to do today now is to bring, bring a sense of values back. And, yeah. uh, and, 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 and sometimes when people hear that word, they think about that word, they think that, 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 that maybe we're talking about being more religious. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about, you know, are you willing, can you look in the mirror at yourself for the actions that you've taken on today? Mm-hmm. And if you have the cringe moment, then I suggest that you have a value that's being misaligned. And, uh, and I think we need to, and that's the, that's the work that we need to do. You know, they say, they always say that the wound is in, the work is in the wound. Yeah. If we're not willing as guys to actually look at that, the father wounds of how, how we were raised, whether, we were, whether they were absent or not. You know, my dad's no longer with us. He, I can tell you, he never said once that he loved us. Now, wow. does that mean that I, was, uh, that I wasn't loved by my dad? No. You know, he, you know born in the 30s, you know, he, they were going through tough times. I just, we just knew that every day there was food on the table. There was a roof over our head. And I didn't, I didn't necessarily need that closeness but my ex-wife my high school sweetheart when we started dating we go to their home their family dynamic was all the kids would would kiss their mom and dad good night hmm. you know just the way it is and there was you know boys and girls and it didn't matter what age 15 16 and that was just a different type of environment right and so hmm. i think we can take a lot of the we can look at our past and say you know it was really bad and like and leave the blame there hmm. or we can move that thing forward to the present and do some work, you know, and, and do some work and understanding that, like, I don't begrudge my father. I love my father to, to death for everything that he did. It's the man that he was. What I regret is that I, w- I didn't have the ability within me while he was alive to go talk to him about the things that were important to him about growing up and what happened to him in his life and to really get to know and understand the man. And I think, you know, this kind of, you know, really talks about, this whole problem in society today is that we just don't, as men, we just, we don't know how to have those conversations. Mm-hmm. It's uncomfortable. It's, you know, it, it's, it doesn't smell good for us. So we just don't want to go there, but it, it's so important for us to be able to have those conversations. And, you know, we can do what we normally do as guys is wait to the 11th hour to finally go see the doctor and mm-hmm. then get the bad diagnosis that you got to lose weight and you have to do, do some change some different things in your life. Or we can recognize it earlier on and get in there and do some do some things. There you go. Now, how do you help men? How do you, when you consult when you when you work with men? Uh, tell us kind of about the process or how people can reach out to you and get involved. Absolutely. So we offer two different programs. Our first one is a group mentorship. It's our band of brothers. So what we do there is we work through well help guys in the initial stages is to work through crafting what I call a personal vision and mission statement. And that's really an opportunity. It's eight or so modules. We go through some of the, uh, we call it the four horsemen of life. It's really the work based on more and Gillette with the King warrior lover. And it's really about understanding how we can get more centered in that, understand how we show up and we really tackle their values and beliefs. So you hear me talk a lot about that today. Yeah. Get, really unpack their what are these self-sabotaging behaviors how are they going to take them how are they going to derail themselves 
how do they derail themselves? And by the time they're done this piece, then they get an opportunity, then they can finally craft a mission and a purpose statement. And what it is, it's a really a guiding light for them. It's not an all, it's not a forever thing. It's going to evolve as they evolve and grow, mm-hmm. but it's really an opportunity for them to do that work and then be able to share that with other men. And so monthly we have, we have a different topic. We have, we focus on an aspect. We also follow, I really liked uh, Ben Franklin's, uh, how he did his values piece. So we do have a monthly virtue mm-hmm. that uh, we help get to spend time working on. Mm-hmm. And it's really a great opportunity for guys to, to do that. And so we meet twice a month with that. The other program is if guys really want to dive in and really get inside and, and, and really do that work, we call it the hero's quest. And it's a, it's an intensive 90 day program where we, they we really unpack all aspects of their life and, uh, and really get down and diving into what it is that's been preventing them from living the life that they've, that they've desired for. So those are the two programs and uh, they've been working pretty well. We're pretty happy with the, with the results we're getting. Awesome sauce. It's, it's really important that men start realizing they need to talk to each other. And I really encourage men to talk to each other. You know, my gaming community is on little guys sometimes for years and they'll open up to me about something's going on in their relationship. And the, the one thing I learned very early on from my alpha grandfather was there were boundaries. And part of them were very, uh, traditional boundaries, but they were that way because of his time. But, you know, this is my grandfather. He worked hard all of his life. He, and, and not to say my father didn't, uh, but he didn't. Uh, no, actually, I need to correct that. He didn't. Um, he, he, my father worked hard and he tried to provide and he tried to do all the right things. But there were some different things that he had going on that were, that were screwing with him. Um, and uh, a bit of narcissism and, and different issues. And, and he was kind of a little bit more lazier than my grandfather. But my, my alpha grandfather had boundaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and you knew where the line was with him. And uh, my 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 grandmother, I'm sure, had whatever her boundaries were. But the two of them seeing a, seeing this healthy relationship with boundaries, with him having a very solid role of what he did, she having a very solid role. They knew what their roles were in the in the household. Um, and this seeing the security of a woman and her feminine was what that showed me. And she would they were the most. I mean, she, I mean, I'm sure she wasn't always happy. She probably hid some of that from us. And in fact, we never really saw it. She mm-hmm. was wonderful. She was, she was the grandmother that would give you the, you know, if you asked for her arm, she cut off and give it to you probably, um, with lots of love. I mean, I, that'd be mm-hmm. funny, but she was that kind of woman. If you went over there, uh, she would cook you a meal, whatever you wanted. She'd, she'd take care of you. She was the best cook too. And, um, to see this role of a very healthy, boundaries relationship my grandfather even as his boys we knew where his line was we knew where his boundaries was and he communicated them very effectively to us uh, and if it wasn't like you follow the rule he communicated what happened when you cross the boundary yeah uh so a bit of a spanking might take place um and uh you know a lot of that's lost like i i on facebook i asked the other day after listening to one of my married friends's crisis I asked, I asked my, uh, I asked everybody on Facebook that were men. I said, how many of you set boundaries in your relationship? How many of you know what they are and set boundaries, active boundaries in your relationship? I got two people that out of normally, you know, lots of wow. <laughs> things that I get only two people. And I even said, you can privately DM me if you want, because one of the problems men have is they can't talk about this. Or if their wives see them talking about it, their girlfriends see them talking about it, they're going to catch shit. And so I'll get DMs. 
because men are afraid to talk about this, which tells mm-hmm. you the state of where men are. And so I'll get DMs, Chris, you really call it out. I'm like, can you put that in the comments? No, if my wife sees it, she'll get angry at me. I'm like, how do we get to this world where men are so feminized and pussified that they're afraid of women? Uh, they're afraid of making her angry. Um, and for me, I've dated all my life. I have very active boundaries. I set in a relationship or in, or in a dating sphere or in, in my rotation uh, of people that I date. Um, I have very specified boundaries. You do not cross these boundaries. And I'm very hard with my boundaries. I don't fuck around. You don't fuck around with me or you find out. Um, and, and if you, you know, I just, I just ejected someone from my life last night that was actually a male friend in my gaming communities who got toxic and it just got too tired of his toxicity. And I set a boundary and said, we're not crossing this line anymore. And once it was crossed, I said, no, we're not doing that anymore. Right. And you're, you're, you're out of the, out of the league because who you surround yourself makes all the difference. Mm-hmm. But men need to recognize these things are going on. They need to talk to other men. They need to reach out. Um, and they need to, they need to, uh, learn more about what it means to be a man because seemingly two men claim that they set boundaries in their relationships and they're both, they were both married. They were, and what was interesting about both the men, they'd been married for a very long time. Now keep in mind, they probably married, uh, high school sweethearts and people that had a very low body count at that time. We, we yeah. talked earlier in the show about body count, hedonistic and different things. Yeah. Biologically, men are designed to find women that won't embarrass them publicly and that, and that haven't been all around town and the sex of city effect. And so there's that dichotomy going on as well. But seeing those alpha boundaries are really important. I think a lot of men don't understand how to set those, how to maintain them. Mm-hmm. A lot of men don't even know what a shit test is for women and how women test from a biological aspect in their personalities that a man is going to be able to provide a protector and the man is going to be able to provide security. That he's going to be able to overwhelm the invaders when they break into the house or the village. And so um, they fail a lot of those and they end up in these situations that yeah. I see a lot of misery, man. I see a lot of misery. In fact, I can't think of a guy that I have ever talked to. Someone brought it up the other day in the gaming community. Uh, they asked one of my gaming friends. The, the one guy was like, I'm thinking about getting married again. All the gaming guys chimed in and said, don't do it. Don't do it. I'm whispering so my wife won't hear me. Don't do it. It was, it, I'm, anytime I joke around, I'm like, I think I should settle down. I'm getting old. I should just find a wife, a nice Mexican wife who's a great cook in Mexico. Cause you know, I've been watching these Mexico videos of these, these women that cook and they have these like really hundred year old stoves. It's like, it's insane what these women can do with the way they cook. And, uh, and I'm like, I'm just going to go find me a fat Mexican wife. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just getting to the age where food is almost more important than sex. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm going to get one of those like, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't run, run. And when you have that community constantly telling you that it's a bad thing, you start to go, I don't know, man, I haven't found anybody. Now, I have a couple of guys that say it's great, but like I say, they married, they married very young, probably yeah. virgins and low body count. Uh, they were you know, married in a high school, high school sweethearts. Everybody I know who's my age, who has a long-term relationship, that's what they had. Mm-hmm. And so you know, and, and men need to look at this and go, hey, man, this whole one-eyedness, this whole soulmate myth crap, I used to buy into that crap from yeah. Disney. Um, they need to realize it's not the way it is. Because, like I said, when I was growing up, my sister talked to me about how women think and how they date 
and how they constantly have an array of gentlemen that they're vetting. And some people just give them attention and validation. They keep in their friend zone, but they, you know, they have support for them if they need the car cleaned or, you know, oil changed or whatever, you know, they've got that guy who will do that. They also have the alpha chat they can call and, and uh, do that whole bit with hookup culture. But men are suffering right now, especially in the dating market. Um, I didn't notice this because I'm six two. Uh, and I'm successful. And, uh, so I have the income there and I have the other thing, you know, there's this thing that women have been throwing around what they call the three sixes. They want a six income man, which they don't realize how small that is. And Instagram, the society kind of taught them that, uh, I guess, you know, three quarters of the population are millionaires according to Instagram. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> which is the which is just a very small percentage. And then they want a six inch unit. Uh, I think we all know what that is yeah. uh, and, at, at the very least. And they also want a uh, man who's over six feet. And if you don't believe this isn't true, go Google it. But one thing they found in, in the data is that women on dating apps that are single are have put in that they only want six foot or taller, sometimes six one or six two or taller. It's the cutoff is about five 5'11", I think it is, hmm. is where the ramp starts. And so women are chasing and dating on dating apps right now. The data shows us 4 to 5% of the top alpha chads and men on the dating apps. And hmm. the big search cutoff is, like I said, it's that 5'11". And they want a six-foot-tall man. <laughs> and what's interesting is it even goes in like 6.7. And you're like, what are, you, what are we looking for, basketball people or something? <laughs> and so a lot of these men can't figure out why they're not succeeding on the new forms of dating apps when they used to do what I do is, is cold pickup, cold, cold, uh, you know, you can go to, you can meet a girl in public, uh, bar, wherever these days you have to meet someplace other than a bar, but you can meet a woman in public, uh, hit on her, go up, get cold, uh, cold approach. They called it and, uh, get a phone number. Well, I used to get four to five phone numbers in bars back in the day. I mean, that was my thing. You go to the club, get a bunch of phone numbers, date a bunch of girls, see which one, you know, at that time I thought I would, was searching for the one. I just need to go through a bunch of girls to find it. And, you know, I was mining, I was doing how women date mm-hmm. as opposed to how men date where a lot of men I find they'll, they'll date like maybe <clears throat> five people and wife up the first one who rigs them, who gives them sex regularly. Um, you know, there's a, there's a big thing that went on with TikTok recently where, a wedding planner found, you know, said, I don't know how true this is, but said that men marry the woman in front of them when they get the, you know, the, the ability to create a family and they get the resources to do that, which is partially true from what I've seen. You know, I've watched a lot of men wander off my dating scene and go into the marriage scene and then they come back again. <laughs> and I'm like, how was that journey? <laughs> so that's the whole thing. So it's interesting, you know, you're providing these resources for men, but yeah, I want men to realize they need to talk about these things. They need to understand what boundaries are. Women actually really, when you set boundaries, sometimes, a lot of times it's a turn on. They love a man who values himself. Mm-hmm. And when you understand women's nature and their biological part of it and why they seek that, it makes sense. They seek a man of value, a man who values himself mm-hmm. because they want stuff. If you really study women's nature, why they ch- why they chase hybristophilia. Um, hybristophilia is where women will fall in love with men who are criminals and hardened narcissists, yeah. killers. I mean, the guys who murder people in jail and they're on death row have more girlfriends than I do. 
probably more marriages too. And they have women writing to them, throwing themselves at them. You know, why do women love narcissists? You know, you you look at an evil narcissistic man who has a lot of power, money, and and, and you kind of look at him and go, you know, that guy's maybe not the most ethical, moral person in the world. He doesn't seem to give a crap about other people. But women love him. Women will mm-hmm. chase him. Women will throw themselves at them because they're designed to seek a man of value, a man who respects himself. And they, yeah. they're looking for a man who has purpose and who's on his purpose. You know, I used to have all my friends would be like, I chase women are number one, Chris. I chase women. You're, you're so weird. You always chase money first. And I go, yeah, well, I watched Tony Montana say it in, <laughs> in Scarface. Yeah. First you get the money, then you get the women, right? <laughs> um, and uh, so I understand the game. He, Tony Montana, understood the game. I don't know why he's he's probably not the best character to reference <laughs> yeah. on the rest of it. But uh, maybe you should get your money in more legitimate ways. And, and don't mur- do the murder and the killing. But, uh, um you know, women seek this and they seek it from a biological thing. It's not like a, it's not like a thing where someone's just being a jerk. No, this is what they're designed to do because that person that provides value, that male that provides value will be the best mating partner to provide not only their children to them, but also to their, um, for protecting them and, uh, providing for them. And that's what women seek. And so men that are, you know, are dilly dallying around with their value. They don't see that their, their worth is there. They're not, they're not mating. And so, uh, you know, these people, these men are now at this crisis point because mm. they're being ignored by women. And and there's a lot of things going on with Instagram and women being overvalidated and simp culture and mm-hmm. everything else. And people and people don't, you know, realize that they're still seeking those men. They're chasing the top 4% for reason because they want the men of value. They want the men who who understand themselves, who understand mm-hmm. women's nature. Women don't like to know how the sausage is made when it comes to dating. They don't want you to sit down with a go and, and here's what we're doing on this, you know, here's here's how I'm uh, working with you. They just want you to know the game. They want you to understand women. They want you yeah. to understand them. And they don't want to have to explain it to you because they're not good at that either. They're very, women are very, or men are very overt. Women are very covert. You mm-hmm. can understand biology and history. You understand why that takes place. Yeah. So I'm glad these resources are there. I'm glad you're providing them. I'm glad you're helping men. And I just, my message is in this whole roundabout is men need to wake up and realize the game has changed and the world has changed. And, um, women have been told something, uh, for a long time that it appears not to be turning out very well in my dating process that I see right now. I'm really astounded. Uh, it used to be when I dated back in the day, most women were spinning out of their first marriages that they got married around 18 to 22. Mm. And at the, at the height of their, uh, dating sexual market value. And what they would do is they would have children, they would spin out maybe in their thirties. And then I came along, you know, and started, you know, my, my situation went from dating to where I dated single women and had no kids to dating divorcees with kids. And so I saw that shift going on and I went, Hmm, this is kind of interesting. So, uh, I would hear about their first marriages, what they were doing in the first marriage, how they valued their man, what the, what the whole, you know, their whole operation of how they got there. And, but they would still be young enough, still enough beauty and everything that men seek from yeah. a biological thing. They would still have enough uh, of that to get a second man. And of course, a large time they would be able to find a man who would take care of kids from another uh, DNA source, which is not a popular thing for men. But if men, don't have a lot of other options, they will take that. Mm-hmm. So 
Now it's very changed. The the thing that women were told to do is put off marriage and kids by the corporate. It's kind of interesting how they wanted that and supported it. But they were told to put that off. Now I'm seeing women coming out of their first marriages at 45, 50, yeah. 55. And they still have that half-cooked family that I used to see of women in their 30s. But the half-cooked family now is 50, 55. And they're on my dating apps going, hey, Chris, we want you to wife us up, become the provider and protector for another man's DNA. And these kids are half-cooked. And I'm 55 looking at it going, um, you have kids that are five and seven. Now, I'm not shaming or saying there's anything wrong with this. I do think that it's not healthy from a biological aspect of mm-hmm. why we do it. But I'm not shaming anyone. If you did that, hey, that's your that's your life. That's yeah. your thing. You know, your boat, go row it. Um, but you're asking me to come help row your boat. Um, and so I have to look at it from a man's aspect and go, what am I taking on? Can I provide and protect for these kids? Yeah. But the other challenge is, is, is I'm 55. If I take on a, a woman who has a five or a seven or a 10 year old, I have to be think, okay, I'm going to be 65, 70 by the time this kid technically leaves the house. They don't leave the house anymore. But technically at 18 when they go to college. So, do I want to spend my golden years, yes. the best years of my life, because most men uh, die out at about 70. We start really hitting the wall health-wise at 70. Um, and we usually die in our 70s to 80s. Um, do I want to spend the rest of my life doing a restart? And most men are different than me, you know, where I've been single in my life. That would technically be my first marriage. Yeah. They've been through one or two marriages. They've been through your experience. They've been yeah. cleaned out maybe in their first marriage. They've been cleaned out maybe a second time in their second marriages. And they're looking at marriage from a different aspect. Like, I don't want to do that anymore. I did that twice. I want to go do something different with my life. Or I'm not dumb enough to jump into to bad, toxic situations. I'm not saying all single mothers and stuff are toxic. But there's, there's, you know, sometimes you meet somebody and they haven't resolved their childhood trauma and mm-hmm. you've got to deal with that and then their kid mess and then their ex-husband's mess. I mean, a lot of times, you know, I would get into relationships with single moms uh, and I would, I would learn very early on that I was married or I was going to be married or I was in a relationship with their other husband. You know, I'd have to deal with him calling and being in our life. And you know, sometimes I'd come home, she'd be angry and mad and I'd be like, why are you angry mad? What did I do this time? And she's, oh, the ex did this. And I'm like, wait, I have a guy in my relationship who can ruin my night, my my woman's attitude, or her, her, yeah. you know, what's going what's going on that day, or sometimes a week because he didn't pay his child support, or he took the coat from the kid, or he's doing this, or you know, he's calling drunk and being stupid with the kids, and I got to get on the phone and be like, knock it off. I've actually had to sit down with with divorced fathers and say, hey, look, man. No one's trying to place you. I'm not here to compete with you. I understand the complex situation of, of nature, and your kids do need you in your life. Yeah. You are their birth father. I will never be able to take that from you. It would be wrong for me to do that. So you understand where I'm coming from, where you're coming from, and let's try and build a healthy thing for your kids because these are your kids. And she's probably going to leave me someday and take the kids, and all my investment's going to go out the window. But you're still going to be their birth father. You're the, and I've dated women all my life. My friend used to own two strip clubs and he used to say to me, if it wasn't for bad parenting and, uh, and, and, and fathers not being a lot of times in women, these women's lives, 
I wouldn't have a, I wouldn't have a business mm-hmm. and I'm not being crude. That's very true. I've dated all the women. I've seen the fallout of, did your dad hug you enough as a child? Did your dad give you enough attention? Was your dad in your life? Did your mother run your dad off? You know, I've heard a lot of these stories from, yeah. well, the, the dad just left. That's normally don't leave. They're, they're real providers. And so it takes some toxicity and different things to drive them away. And a lot of times they make bad choices in mates. And we both mm-hmm. do that on both sides of the sexes. Yeah. So I think it's really important that you have this and men realize that the game has significantly changed and we need to get back to our tribal interests. Completely agree. hundred percent. And, and that's a, that's a great way to, you know, really summarize everything. I think that's why it's so important that, you know, that men need to understand that, you know, I had a, I was just thinking that I interviewed a, a lady on my podcast and she was very open about how she emasculated her husband Wow! and how many of us are in that we're in relationships and that was happening. And she was, had the wherewithal to understand what she's doing and, uh, and they're still together by the way. And mm-hmm. now she, her work is to show women, uh, wives, how they're doing that to their men mm-hmm. and, and, you know, kudos to her for doing that. But on the flip side of it, where are the guys waking up to understand? Like that, I was that guy being uh, being emasculated, truly, mm-hmm. until and we talked a lot about boundaries, right? So setting some boundaries. What are you willing to accept and not accept, mm-hmm. or how 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 you're being how you're showing up in the in the relationship, right? And I think for guys, we just wanted to know that we're that we're that we're respected. Mm-hmm. Right. And that there's some and that we had that we're valued and that there's some honor there. And when we can get that, mm-hmm. then then, you know, the relationship goes well. But when we feel that we've been disrespected, especially in a public atmosphere, whether that's mm-hmm. out to out to dinner with friends or you're having friends over and things are being said that uh, that that shouldn't be said, you mm-hmm. know, uh, how home secrets being shared. I think mm-hmm. there, that's a challenge for guys that we need to be able to be able to set that boundary and there's nothing wrong with it. But mm-hmm. we think that if we do that, oh, my gosh, now she's going to leave me. Mm-hmm. Well, if that was the choice, then it was, it was going to happen anyways. That's true. It was going to happen anyway. So what mm. are you, you're just delaying the inevitable. Instead, I would suggest, and you brought the point up and it was perfect, is that she's actually going to probably be turned on that you're actually standing up for something that you have a sense of self, you know, what, what's important for your, for you. And when we start showing up that way, yes, it's going to be uncomfortable because she's going to go just like my wife did. Who's this guy? Like that's not how Al used, used to be. Well, yeah. you know, because I, I was a doormat and I decided not to speak up and mm-hmm. say what was important to me. And let's face it, you're going to start to do that and it's going to be messy and you're going to stumble, you know, and you're going to make mistakes. And so, you know, that's one of the things that I coach my guys is, is just say, look, I want to say some things right now about what's going on in the relationship. It may not come out well, mm-hmm. but they need to get some stuff on the table. And if you're willing to go with me on this this, this little short journey, then we can work some things out. And when you come from a place of, hey, I'm willing to work on and understand, but I need to get stuff off my chest, they're more open than just sitting there and vomiting all over them. Yeah. You know, and and just and then just giving it giving them the gears. And so there's a right, there's a there's a better way to do it. Yeah. And we just need to learn that skill. And you'll learn that skill when you participate in different men's groups. And there's lots of different groups now out there today. But that's just the void we're trying to fill here. Yeah. 49th and, you know, help some uh, help some dudes uh, reclaim themselves. Definitely. You need a tribe. You need to hang out with men and just men. And it's not like, you know, we, we somehow we got this thing where we here as men, are you weird? Or sometimes there's shaming that comes from the community. What are you guys being? You know, what are you guys doing over there? Um, you know, there's, 
just, you know, I, I'm a man's man. I'm an old world man from an alpha thing. I can stand, I can be your best friend and love you as a, as a male buddy. My, you know, my guy that I'll go to war with you. You call me, man. You know, what's an old, what's an old uh, Ben Affleck thing where he comes in, we're, we don't know what we're going to do. We're going to hurt some people and I'm not going to tell you why. And we're not going to talk about it after, you know, we're not going to hurt anybody, but you know what I mean? You yeah. can stand and fly fish with somebody for a whole day and you're, you're, you come back and your wife or girlfriend will be, you know, uh, what'd you guys talk about? Nothing. Well, did you talk? I don't know. I asked him how, how, how his part of the stream was going and we, sh- we shared some uh, fishing stories. Yeah. Really? That's it. Yeah. That's, we just hung out. We, we didn't really say anything. We just hung out, but we, our testosterone goes up with that. We hang out yes. with other men and what men don't realize too. I don't think, cause I've started talking about this on Facebook. Women have a community. Mm-hmm. And the community for women is very social. You know, they used to get together and that's one thing women need to do more of. They used to get together and share notes. They were a little less competitive. They still have that competitive nature that they have in biology for human, uh, for human breeding to find the best mates. Um, so there's still a competition there, but they used to get together and they used to help each other and teach each other. They used to teach each other skills. They had hobbies. They just did stuff. When I grew up, women go quilting. Now, I'm not mm-hmm. saying women need to go quilting. Don't put me in that box. And I don't care what women do. If they want to get together and talk about business, which they do in, in events, great. You know, but they would get together and, and that would kind of feed their femininity and feed their mm-hmm. feed their ability. Well, men kind of lost that, like I said, when they lost their places. But also women have always had a committee and they, they have a committee so that they have help from the community to help them make wise, logical and reasonable choices yeah. through their emotion to find the best mates. Everything is about the propagation of species. Just tattoo to your forehead. Everything yeah. is about propagating the species. It's our biological DNA. And you cannot change that. You can you can come up with whatever movement you want, whatever <laughs> certain new fad you want. You cannot change biology. You can lie. You can try and change people's sexes and be like, oh, we're going to have 82 genders. You will not change the thing. Yeah. When they dig us up, hundred years from now, and I have nothing against, you know, the gender, whatever you want to call it, nothing against it, as long as you're not forcing people to believe in something that, that goes against biology. But when you, they dig you up a hundred years from now, they're going to find two DNAs, That's female right. DNA and a male DNA. And, uh, I mean, if you want to be something different, good for you, but it's not going to change who you really are, your core and your biological paradigms of, of propagating the species. And I, every girlfriend I've ever had, I have to, I date the committee and I know this. I learned this very long time ago. And that committee is designed to help her make the best choices for the best mates. Sometimes. <clears throat> and so sometimes there's a bit of sabotage and jealousy and you know all that thing that women do in competing with each other <laughs> for the best DNA. Yeah. Um and, and it's built that way. You can't hate the system. Don't hate the game. That's the way it is. And and it's built that way. Otherwise you and I wouldn't be here talking if it wasn't for the propagation of the species in these games. But Men lost that. And so it's literally, I see a lot of men and I'm like, dude, you are all alone against the whole group of her committee of women that she goes to, talks about her issues and everything else that goes on. And they give her advice. And I learned a long time ago, I have to manage the committee because sometimes there's those girls on the committee who will sabotage my girlfriend and tell her a bunch of stuff. Oh, that man hates you. And I'll be like, oh, is that from Sally who's never been married and can't hold down a relationship and she's always at the club and she's 35? <laughs> uh, you, she's giving you advice on menhood yeah. uh, and relationships? This girl? You know, yeah. she wants you to leave me so that uh, you can go back to the club for her because she's getting lonely at the club because everything's disappearing with her age. And um, 
And so I've had to learn that there's that committee. There's the mom sometimes, you know, the mother-in-law, the mother, yeah. the mom. And they're getting advice from a whole group of people. And it's that way on purpose. That's fine. But men are isolated and they're yeah. alone. And they do not realize how much is going on over here on this other side and, and why that's important. But men need to have the same thing. They need to have a chance to talk to other men and go, here's what's going on in my relationship. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I, I'm not comfortable with, how I feel and what's going on. And, and all of this is, is stuff that men need to realize how isolated they are and, and sometimes how programmed they are. Like I've had, I've had one of my uh, millionaire friends. Uh, I kept saying that, that chick's got a lot of red flags. She got all problems and he really had a captain save a woman sort of attitude. Mm. There's another term for it. That's uh people don't like, so I won't mention it, but you know, basically saving someone who has maybe some trauma and some issues and maybe they've, uh, you know, had a lot of partners and body count. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, we, you know, that's what we do. We save people, you know, we run into buildings. Um, we take care of people, provide or protect, but, uh, um, you know, these men are isolated. They don't have that and they really need it. They really need to be able to hang out with men friends. If you don't have some guys, you can go just do some stuff with. And I think that's why gaming is so huge for men mm-hmm. is because, that's the one way we can get together. And we're still hunting when you really think about it. We're still yeah. doing caveman shit of hunting down some, you know, woolly mammoth or whatever you want to <laughs> term it. So men need to realize that they need their own committee. They yeah. need their own uh, things to sit down and work through their things because you can't talk about certain things with a woman. You can't yeah. talk about your feelings. And it's it's been shown. This is data. It's been shown that the first time a woman cries around a woman, she starts the the ramp of she starts down the down ramp of doubting you of doubting mm-hmm. whether you're strong enough of doubting whether you're powerful enough. This is why women love narcissists. This is why they chase narcissists. This is why they're all over TikTok going, "I was in a narcissist relationship." Yeah, well, you were attracted to the alpha chat who was a narcissist because yeah. he was powerful and because he was doing that. I'm not saying people should be narcissists. That's taking a little bit too far. But you see why they chase value, mm-hmm. and it makes sense because. Like I say, pro- everything is about propagation of species. Women are chasing that because they want the thing. Unfortunately, women have been told two different routes. You need to chase the old traditional stuff, but we, you know, you want to be your own person, your equality. You know, I'll, I'll hear this all the time on dating apps or dating. You know, I'm an, I'm, I'm a, what was it? I'm an independent woman. I'm like, okay, great. You don't need to date me. Have fun with that. You, you get some cats and have fun with that, but I don't need to date someone who, who thinks that, uh, you know, they, they're their own individual because that's not how a relationship works. And logically as a man, I know that, you know, I want somebody who's like, Hey, I realize that I don't need to be independent because that's what a relationship is. And let's work together and build something. Yeah. And, uh, so a lot's been lost and what's going on. Uh, anything more on how people can reach out to you, work with you and get to know you better. Yeah, absolutely. Best best way for them to reach out and get a hold of me is to go to theawakenman.net right on that homepage there. It'll be a start the start here page. Actually, you're going to see where you can participate in one of the two programs, our Band of Brothers or the Heroes Quest. That's the best place to go. There you go. Thanks for coming on the show, Elaine. We really appreciate it. Yeah, I really appreciate it being on the show as well. Take care. Beautiful discussion. Just really interesting. And I hope we save some men because we have a really too high suicide rate and we need more families. You know, families and, and kids are in decline and kid, boys going to college and you know, boys being interested in being married and stuff. We need, you know, otherwise you end up with places like Japan and China where yeah. they're starting to, their empires are ending because they're, they're you know, there's not enough young people coming up breeding. Exactly. Anyway, uh, give us your dot coms and everything where people can find you on the internet, please. You bet. Theawakenman.net, and that's where you'll find everything there. And the podcast is the Revolutionary Man podcast.
There you go. Uh, thanks so much for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss, youtube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, all those great places on the internet you can find us. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe. We'll see you next time. Yeah. <sighs>